Talking Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. We're talking about the work of the ministry. The last great day, Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the last book in the Bible, the Word of God, Revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass and signified it by his angel unto John. Signified is the sign of Tob. It's the seal unto John. The things that will come to pass, those things are the things of faith. Now in Revelation 4, 1, there was a door open in heaven and the voice of an angel talking with him, the voice of a trumpet talking with him, that trumpet voice is the trumpet voice of God. A door open in heaven. And that door is the voice of the Lord. He says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I come in and sit with him and he with me. Obviously, John's the vessel God's going to use there in Revelation 4.1. And there was a door open in heaven. The voice of a trumpet talking with him, saying, Come up hither, and I will show you things, things of faith, not a rapture, which will come to pass hereafter. Well, this is the work of the ministry that's showing to the servants of God. Now, what is the, the whole purpose in revealing all these seals, trumpets, and vials? And this Antichrist, this man of sin, the son of perdition, Casting truth to the ground, prevailing against the saints of God. For a time, times, the abiding of a time, three and a half years, 42 months. Well, it's not to lift up the Antichrist. It's to show us the work of the ministry in Jesus Christ. But we need to know it because that's what we as a body of Christ are called for. Now, I'm going to read some controversial points here in the Word of God and let you discern for yourself and make your own choice and decision. Those that do know the Lord God Almighty will be strong and do exploits. They will overcome the wicked one. But those we know will be few in number because Jesus said, few there be will be saved because straight is the gate and there the way to lead in life, few there be that find it. Why? Because many things that were hid in Christ are only revealed to those of a pure heart. And Jesus said, I'll no more speak to you in Proverbs. I will show you plainly of the Father. Now that is not full grown. Just to know Jesus is the Father revealed. That's little children, as stated in 1 John 2, 12-14. I write to you little children, because you've known the Father. He is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. As stated in Acts 2, 36, that same Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made him, both Lord and Christ, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, Christ the Holy Ghost, the Lord's that Spirit. He is the blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent, almighty God. First John, uh, uh, that's First Timothy 6, 15 and 16. And we try the spirits with that in First John 4, 1. Any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, is come in the flesh, is of God. Any spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is not of God. That is come as a present imperfect tense. Not, not 2,000 years ago, Jesus coming in the flesh. But as a present perfect tense that it is still ongoing. That it has not been perfected yet. 
He is still coming in the flesh until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. What is the significance of the cherubim shadowing the mercy seat? Somebody said, well, uh, those are the chariots of God. Uh, some even say it depicts the Godhead. But these are created uh, creatures. And we see that in Genesis 3.24, after the fall. The Lord God placed cherubim at the east end of the Garden of God. Capital C. And that, along with a flaming sword, turning every which way to keep the way of the tree of life. And it keeps the way of the tree of life because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It keeps that way. It's provision that God has made in his predetermined counsel of that work of the ministry from the fall of Adam. But what is it? Now, if we take a look at Hebrews 9, verse 5, we see that Paul is speaking about a day of atonement. The day of atonement, the day of the Lord. And in that time, we find that the altar of incense, the golden censer, is within the veil. It lets us know it's the day of the Lord. It's the young Kavor. And as we see it here in Hebrews 9, take a look at it. Then very the first covenant had covenant, also had ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. But is the divine service letting us know a shadow of things to come? For there was a tabernacle made. This was dedicated in Passover, Moses' tabernacle. The first wherein was the candlestick and the table, table of shewbread, and the shewbread, which is called the sanctuary. Now, that's the holy place. Now, we've been in that sanctuary, in that Pentecostal movement now, for over 2,000 years, or over two days. Now, we're in the third day. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, the most holy place. And he's going to anoint that most holy, Daniel 9, 24. We're talking about last day events and the final consummation of all things and the revelation of Jesus Christ, the unveiling of Jesus in his true essence and identity. And he says, the holiest of all, which had the golden censer. Well, somebody said, well, wait a minute, the golden censer was in the sanctuary. But only one day a year, the golden censer was taken within the veil and with much incense. And this is decadent of Revelation 8 with the prayers of the saints offering much incense before the Lord. And then fire was cast into the earth. That fire of God, that he is intervening, intervening in the affairs of man. Now notice, Paul goes on and elaborates and said uh, that it had the golden censer within the veil and the Ark of the Covenant. It's called the testimony, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubim of glory shadowing 
the mercy seat. Now watch this next statement of which we cannot now speak particularly. That's not because he ran out of time or that it was superfluous, that it didn't have any meaning. It was a different season. It was a Pentecostal season. We're in a new season now in tabernacles. We're not Pentecostals. We're tabernacleists. And what is the meaning of it? Why the cherubim shadowing the mercy seat? Are we talking about that cherubim that was in and of the mercy seat of a beaten work of gold? They're looking toward the mercy seat of the mercy seat and in the mercy seat, looking toward the mercy seat, which is the blood of Jesus being there in that mercy seat, or is it relating to the two colossal 10-cubit cherubim? And uh, that refers to Solomon's temple in the seventh month, different season, but yet the same Jesus, but in a greater revelation and revealing of him, now not only having Moses' tabernacle, as it was dedicated in Passover, but we have the Temple of Solomon dedicated in Tishri in Tabernacles and dedicated there in the last day work, which had three levels. Moses' Tabernacle had no floor of fur. It was on the ground. But yet Moses there spoke here of this work of the ministry in Hebrews 9 and talking about the things the Holy Ghost then signifying the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while as yet the first tabernacle was standing which was a figure for the time then present in which we offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Now he has given, God has given Apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Still in a progressive movement from faith to faith, from glory to glory until the final consummation of all things in perfection. A full measure of the statue of Jesus Christ in a perfect image of him. Now we see that these cherubim of glory shadowing the mercy seat Paul stating, of which we cannot now speak particularly. It speaks of a different season and the work of the ministry. Now we see that there is a man that we see in Revelation 19.10. John sees this man, and he is certain that it is the Lord, the Lord Jesus. And he was about to bow down and worship him, and... The man says, see, thou doest it not. Now notice he says, I am of thy fellow servants and of thy brethren that keep the commandments of God that have the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He says, I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the faith that was once delivered to the saints. It is the faith of Jesus. You see that 
in Revelation 12, in the remnant of the woman's seed, the church, which keeps the commandments of God, those that love God, keep his commandments, and have the testimony of Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which is the faith that was, is the faith of the redeemed, of the faith of Jesus. You see that in Revelation 14, 12. That is the redeemed that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus, which is, and have the faith of Jesus. One and the same. Now the faith is coming to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. And that's the reason why the cherubim there speak of the Lord perfecting his body. It's the chariot of God. It's the cherubim of which uh, the Lord rides upon. And that is in Genesis 3.24 given us these great revelation. At the fall of Adam, there was already a provision made. Now, of course, that we find that the Lord took fig leaves. They tried to cover themselves with fig leaves, but the Lord took animal sacrifice skins and covered them. Speaking of a blood sacrifice, then he takes the cherubim, capital C, Genesis 3:24, at the east end of the garden of God, along with a flaming sword, turning every which way, north, south, east, and west, to keep the way of the tree of life. Now, that's a capital C. Now, Jesus is uh, the one that is going to be revealed uh, in the basic four heads. This is the one that came by water. Not by blood only, but by water and blood. If you hadn't heard that podcast, tune it, tune into it, that this is he that came by water and blood. Now the four rivers of the of the Garden of Eden, and that we're going to see in the last days will have the river of life, the river of the waters of life. And we're going to see that in the strictest supreme sense, that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But the provision was already made. The flaming sword, of course, is the word of God. That flaming sword turning ever which way sharper than any two-edged sword, rightly dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. Only the word of God can do that. But he set cherubim also at the east end of the garden of God, and that east is uh, an RMD, that is the English equivalent of 144 in the Greek, and that is east or eastward in the word of God, which is always the work of the Holy Ghost. And he set the cherubim at the east end of the garden of God, with, along with a flaming sword turning every which way, to keep the way of the tree of life. And it's a capital C. Now the cherubim we're going to see in Ezekiel 1 are not going to be capitalized like it is in Genesis 3.24 because it speaks of deity that God is going to be manifest in flesh. The seed of the woman. Genesis 3.15, the first proto-evangel. Now those that have an ear to hear, what we're saying is that you are the ones that are called... Uh, for this last day work of the ministry, far, far greater 
than Pentecostals. Now, we're going to read Psalm 149 to see exactly what our call is in this high calling of God in Christ Jesus that we are to obtain by faith. Psalm 149. Praise you the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Now, why a new song? There is a Kadashah. Akura Kadashah is the song of Moses. It's feminine, and it starts in Exodus 15. That's when they first came out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, the Red Sea. They came into the wilderness, not the promised land, the wilderness. And there, too, there the Lord is going to try them and see if they love the Lord with all their heart, soul, and might in the wilderness. And there, the first thing Miriam does in that song of Moses is a victorious song of being come up out of Egypt. Israel's exodus from Egypt, they're crossing the Red Sea. And Exodus 15, they sing the song of Moses, and it's a victorious song. It starts the beginning in the walk in God, delivered from the world in Egypt. We're pilgrims and strangers in this world. We have no here, no continuing city, but we have this testimony. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. We haven't received that as yet, but we will. But that starts this song of Moses, the Shurakahadash, the feminine, means it's a work in progress. Then we go through that whole wilderness of 40 years, and it was only an 11-day journey from Sinai to the Jordan River in Kadesh Barnea. But because of unbelief, God turned them back. And the ones that they said would not enter in, they, all the ones there, died in the wilderness, and they had to have the law given to them again, Deuteronomy, the second law, for the children there that they said would not be able to enter and would enter in, and they had to be circumcised again. And Moses gives them that law again in Deuteronomy. Now, as he does, and because Moses did not sanctify the Lord of hosts and smote that rock the second time at the waters of Meribah, the waters of strife, he should have spoken the second time to that rock, not smiting it again. He only crucified Jesus once and once and for all. But he smote it again in his anger. And because of that, he was not able to enter into the promised land. But there he speaks over the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 32 about this song that will put it be in the side of the ark as a testimony of what will befall the people in the latter days. These days. The oath to the tribes uh, that will happen and befall the people of God in the last days. And it's the song of Moses that started in Exodus 15 at the beginning of the journey in the wilderness to now after they come through the wilderness of 40 years, going over Jordan River to go into the promised land. And there it is like bookends. It started at, at the Red Sea. It ends at Jordan about to pass over Joshua will be the ones that lead them over, not Moses. These were all baptized into Moses. And there we have that Shurakata Shah, 
there in Deuteronomy 33, the Song of Moses, the Oath of the Tribes. But it's feminine. But now the full redeemed work is in the Song of the Lamb. That Song of the Lamb is masculine. It's done. It's completed. And we have received and experienced all that Jesus paid for on the cross. Not a partial, not partial knowledge, but all truth. Come to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ, a glorious church without spot, without blemish. And we're talking about the ones that sing not only the song of Moses, but the song of the Lamb, the song of the redeemed. They keep the commandments of God, because they love God, and have the testimony of Jesus. That's the faith of Jesus. Now, this is Psalm 149, verse 1. They sing the new song, the song of the Lamb, the song of the redeemed. And notice that in Revelation 5, that the four and 20 elders and the four beasts, the lion, man, calf, and eagle, which are the cherubim, or the beast, or the living creatures of Zoe, sing the song of the redeemed. They're not angels. They're redeemed of the Lord. God never took on him the nature of angels, but the seed of Abraham. But it's only given to those that have uh, an ear to hear and a heart to believe God. And on our eyes with eyes have, give us ears to hear and hearts to believe the word. Now, with that said, this is the full consummation. And what is our calling? Well, sing it to the Lord a new song. If you're able to obtain that through faith, through obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, Romans 6, then you can sing that song. To sing the song is to experience it. And it says, sing it to the Lord a new song. And his praise in the congregation of the saints, sanctified holy. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Praise God. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. Here we go. Verse 4. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people, he will beautify the meek with salvation. Well, glory to God. Somebody said, well, we always knew that. Now let's go on. Verse 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. There's a glory coming. The manifested sons of God to wait the redemption of our bodies. Well, what is that high calling? Here we go. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. That's the rest in the Holy Ghost. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Don't stop. And a two-edged sword in their hand. There's that flaming sword. With a cherubim at the east end of the garden of God, already made provision in the predetermined counsel of God. And Paul speaking about these cherubim shadowing the mercy seat. Doing what? It is, verse 7, to execute vengeance upon the heathen. Somebody said, well, that's the Lord. Take a look. And punishment upon the people. 
to bind their kings with chains and their nobles in fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. Hmm. Praise you the Lord. And it ends. Now that's a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now that is not before, but at the day of the Lord and the high calling of God to those that have obtained the faith of Jesus and the testimony of Jesus to execute the judgments and the vengeance upon the people. And those are the ones that will come with the Lord with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment and vengeance upon the people. This honor have all the saints. Now these cherubim are the ones shadowing the mercy seat. Why? Because it's judgment. It's a judgment of God. Paul was not going to express that he said we could not speak particularly about this now because he's in a Pentecostal birth of the church in the former reign, and this is in the latter reign, in the last great reign of his strength. This is what you're called for. And we're going to see who are these cherubims. These cherubims are the living creatures. They are the Zoe of Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. They sing the song of the redeemed because they are the redeemed of the Lord. They're the church that has full glory now, have gone from newborn babes, 1 John 2, 12 through 14, to little children, from little children to young men, and young men to fathers. And fathers, because you've known him this from the beginning. Now you know that word. And the fathers are the ones that will be sealed for this apocalyptic sealing and the work of the ministry in Revelation 7 of the servants of God in their forehead with the mind of Christ. That we are to have that mind that was in Christ Jesus, so we are to have that mind in us. Who being in the form of God, thought not Robert to be equal with God, but made himself with no reputation. We will work in the power of his might, standing in the power of his might, not ours. For God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, but there's four faces. There's the face of a lion, man, ox, and eagle. Jesus' four faces are revealed as the four horns frayed the earth. God raised up four carpenters to rebuild it, to replenish it, to recover it. And that is the restitution of all things, which is in Jesus alone. But we're in him. And that's where you have the Son of Man revelation. It's the kingdom office. The Son of Man are those ones that are in Christ Jesus, that he is the head, and we are the body of the Christ. We are who Jesus said we are through obedience unto righteousness, not just because we say it, we love Jesus with or in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth, going through in the likeness of his sufferings, being comfortable, made comfortable to Jesus' death, that the life of the Lord Jesus would be made manifest in our mortal bodies. That's the reason Paul said, I'll glory and take pleasure in all my afflictions and persecutions. For when I'm weak, then am I strong. And when we learn that it is when the Lord there first judges his people, 
and he will repent himself of the trouble, the evil when he sees that their power's gone. The total weak in the flesh, their power's gone. Their natural force in our own thinking, our own will, our own purpose is totally gone. And there's none shut up or left that the Lord will be glorified in the saints of the living God. And they, in that day with that uh, uh, golden censer within the veil on the day of atonement, these cherubim of glory will shatter the mercy seat. A great judgment and vengeance upon the people because God has given all judgment to the Son of Man. That office. He didn't say Son of God. He said Son of Man. Why? Because the Son of Man includes you, the body of Christ, the saints of the living God, according to Psalm 149. You're instruments of God's judgment that he's going to use. You're his battle axe to render render judgment upon the people, to bind their kings and chains and nobles and fetters of iron, and to render the judgment upon the people, the vengeance that is written, this honor have all the saints, the ones that are sanctified holy to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Well, that is what we're seeing in the last day revelation, not in Pentecost. Pentecost has never saw it. It was the embryonic church. But Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot, without blemish, that's perfect in all her ways and a perfect mirror image of Jesus Christ. That was the mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus. A perfect, spotless, blameless, full, glorious church in the image of Jesus. Now notice in Ezekiel, we know that the Zoe, the cherubim, the lion, man, and ox, the eagle, Jesus is the forerunner that has already entered in. In the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. In the gospel according to Mark, John Mark, he is that perfect man. In the gospel according to Luke, the beloved physician, he is that suffering servant, the ox. And in the gospel, according to John, he is that eagle. There's a lad, man, an ox, an eagle. And these are the four carpenters or the four faces of Jesus that will and has redeemed as our redeemer, the earth, cosmos, and all sinners they're trans, translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Now, what is that high calling of God in Christ Jesus? Where you will, as saints of the living God, called to be with Jesus in the Son of Man. He's the head. We are the body of Jesus comprising but one man filling heaven and earth. The whole family of God named that name Jesus. And that body comprises but one body. Spiritual just man made perfect in heaven. And uh, that coming to that heavenly Mount Zion, 
the church and assembly of the firstborns whose names are written in heaven. To an innumerable company of angels, mediator, uh, the, the mediator of the covenant, covenant, Jesus Christ. And what? The body of Christ here in the earth. We're the feet generation. There, the throne, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. The church of the living God, we're the feet generation. And the wicked will be ashes under the righteous feet in that day, not before then. And that is what that Paul is referring to, the cherubim of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, which the cherubim are the living creatures, the zoe, or the beast, the four beasts, before the throne of God, along with the four and twenty elders, which is the redeemed of the Lord. They're, they are the redeemed. Okay, they sing the song of the Lamb. They sang that new song, the song of the redeemed, the four and twenty elders and the four beasts. Sing that song, Revelation 5. That's what we are called for, the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and we will be that royal priesthood and kings and priests, and we will reign in the earth with the Lord a thousand years. Now, when the Lord comes, the Son of Man, that sign will appear. And most think, well, that's just Jesus. Well, he will split that eastern sky, no doubt about it. For the Lord will descend from heaven himself with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We which shall have and remain shall be caught up together and meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. Yes. But when he comes, he comes with 10,000 of his, what? Saints. Not angels, saints. To execute the vengeance, to execute the judgments upon the earth. And you'll see in Malachi 4, that day will burn as an oven, the day of the Lord. And we will be raised up as the calves of the stall when the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings, flying upon the wings of the cherubim, one with God, gathering all things together in one. That's the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the wicked will be ashes and under the righteous feet. And there is where the axe is laid to the root of the trees. And you are my battle axe, God said. When we see that the living creatures, the cherubim of glory, there are the members, the saints of the living God in the church that are not newborn babes. They are not little children. This is known that Jesus is the Father. They've known the Father. Those are little children, knowing he's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. That's wonderful, but that is not full grown. Then we go to young men. The word of God is strong in them, and they've overcome the wicked one. That's what you see in Revelation 2nd and the 3rd chapter. He that overcometh, and that hearing the voice of the Lord in obedience, and the works that accompany salvation, I know thy works. He says it's to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea, all seven churches. I know thy works. Sardis, I have not found your works perfect. Uh, Ephesus, uh, repent and do your first works over. I have uh, uh, somewhat against you. 
you left your first love. He's looking for a body of Christ unto perfection. But then, those are the young men. They're overcomers, but they're still a higher glory. And that is the fullness of the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ and growing up in him in all things, in all truth, that were not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, which are fathers, which will be the one sealed in Revelation 7 of the servants of God in therefore in the mind of Christ. And these are the four living creatures, lion, man, calf, and eagle, and they are the ones that will preach this word of God in the seals in the white, red, black, and pale horse rider. It's the beast saying, come and see the living creatures, the body of Christ saying, come and see. The angels are not preaching that. The body of Christ is. Those that have attained to that measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. And only those. Most will be in pride and say, there is nothing more for us. We're already attained. We're saved, sanctified, and on our way to heaven. We don't want anything else. These will miss out. We'll be to them that are at ease in Zion, saying we don't need anything. It's Laodicean mindset, saying that we're increased with goods. Laodicea says uh, we're increased with goods. We're clothed, fed, and have need of nothing. We don't need anything. We don't need any more word. We don't need any more of this uh, last day work of the ministry. We already are a queen. We said a queen. We are no widow. We'll see no sorrows, no birth pains, no Jesus coming forth in us. That's what Mr. Babylon said, the false church. But Jesus said, knowest thou not your poor, wretched, naked, and destitute. I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire. Our faith is going to be tried as by fire. Judgment is going to first begin at the house of God. This is not sealed up among my treasures, saith God. Deuteronomy 32, for the Lord will judge his people, repent himself of the evil, the tribulation, the trouble. When he sees their power is gone. When we're weak, then are we strong. And uh, there's none shut up or left. That's the work that God will do upon the whole earth. Oh, earth, earth, earth. Uh, hear you the word of the Lord. God is doing it now. Now, they're going to see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. What was that? He's coming with 10,000 of his saints. Thousands of thousands. And uh, he will split that eastern uh, sky. And he will come there to the Mount of Olives. And it will split. We all know that. But we need to know what we're called for in the body of Christ. That calling of God in Christ Jesus, the cherubim overshadowing the mercy seat, shadowing the mercy seat of Paul said, which we not, cannot speak particularly about it now because he's in a Pentecostal season, not in this last season, the tabernaclist. He's a Pentecostal. And that's where the burden is upon us to enter into that faith that was once delivered to the saints for this last day work of the ministry. We'll see that in, his, in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, there's the sign of the Son of Man as lightning shineth from the east, lightning. Notice it says lightning shineth 
from the east even unto the west. Even so, the coming of the Son of Man shall be. Well, take a look at it. Well, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Who will believe for the time to come? In Ezekiel 1, we see that we are to be in the likeness of Jesus Christ, that he is that lion of the tribe of Judah. He is that perfect man. He is that suffering servant, the ox, and he is that flying eagle in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, showing the four heads of Jesus, which is but one head. And that's the reason we have four rivers of life coming out of the Garden of Eden. And we have the four heads here and four carpenters rebuilding that, that which the horns have frayed the earth, rebuilding it back. Well, we see that now we, the body of Christ, are in the image and the likeness of Jesus, conformed to his image, not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we may be sealed in our foreheads with the mind of Christ in Revelation 7. We have to understand the revelation of Jesus Christ to show unto us things, the things of faith, which must shortly come to pass. We have to receive it. We can't just sit idly by and say, well, we're raptured out and it has nothing to do with us. Then we will miss the new wine and it will fail in us because we did not listen and hear for the time to come. And there we are, these cherubim, as a flash of lightning that we see here in Ezekiel 1, and the living creatures that you see in Revelation 4 and 5 are right here in Ezekiel 1. And it's the 30th year of Ezekiel, which is the year that Ezekiel takes his priesthood as the high priest, the son of Buzi. Notice it says in Ezekiel 1.14, and the living creatures ran and returned as the appearance of a flash of lightning. That's a sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Jesus, along with the saints of the living God, coming with 10,000 of his saints. There, we're going to see it's a work and the work of a barrel stone. The barrel stone had upon that barrel in the breastplate of judgment, Dan written, judgment. What judgment? Psalm 149. Judgment upon the world, the wicked, vengeance that is written. What? This honor have all the saints. That's what you're called for. Notice that it comes out of the fire. When they see visions of God, and God is with us, Emmanuel, God with us, we see in Ezekiel that we see in Ezekiel 1, verse 4, and I looked and behold a whirlwind. And what did we see in the whirlwind? Well, we saw Elijah go up in a whirlwind. Why? Because that is a restoration ministry. Elijah must first come and restore all things, all things of faith, Matthew 17. Jesus said Elijah truly must first come and restore all things. Why? Because Acts 3, 20 and 21 states, that the heavens must receive Jesus until the times of the restitution or restoration of all things, all truth. That means Jesus is going to stay in heaven until that is done. Acts 3, 20 and 21. And that's the whirlwind of Elijah. The deep calleth unto the deep. God answers by the water spout. That's a whirlwind of the waters of truth 
going up into the crystal sea of the knowledges of God. That's for us. Through the Holy Ghost and the leading and guiding of the Holy Ghost into all truth. Not partial truth, all truth. And that's where we in the body of Christ have become lax. And we laid back, become lackadaisical, and just sat back and said, well, it really doesn't matter. We're saved. We're increased with goods. We have need of nothing. And we're married to Jesus. There's nothing else. There's no new thing God's going to do. My pastor would have told me, I go to church every Sunday. He doesn't say anything about it. He has a degree from some seminary. So obviously he's got to be right. And we're not giving heed to the word of God, to the leading of the Holy Ghost, to heed for these things and time to come. Search you out of the book. Not one of these things shall fail. Jesus stated it. Well, who are these? This is a whirlwind. It's in the spirit of Elijah. In the last days, work of the ministry and the saints of the living God. Well, we're all called to be saints, but that's a sanctified holy. Both spirit, soul, and body in present truth. You can't be a Pentecostal and go back and have only Acts 2.38 or Romans 10.9 as a fundamentalist and think that we have part in it. No, we won't. We will be mistaken and think we have an identity that we're already there and we're not. We'll be out of mystery Babylon. The great, the mother hearts, abomination, they're saying, I said a queen, I am no widow. And I will see no sorrow. I will see no birth pains. There's no Jesus going to be revealed in me. I've already got it. Haven't needed nothing. Laodicea. And because of that, God said, Woe be to them that are at ease in Zion. Jesus said, I'll punish, I'll search Jerusalem with candles and punish all them that are settled on their leaves. You have to be stirred for the work of the ministry. Well, here's a whirlwind. It comes out of the north. Going to the sides of the north is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty Jesus. A great cloud and a fire enfolding itself. The fires of God, the Holy Ghost. And a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, the hottest burning fire there is, the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. What comes out of the midst of that fire? What comes out of the fire? That Holy Ghost fan is in his hand. The Holy Ghost and fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor. All the draws, all the impurities in the body of Christ will be burned up, burned out. Why? Through tribulation, work with patience. Patience, work with experience. Experience, work with hope. Hope makes not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. Well, what comes out of that fire? Well, we know. And no chasing seem to be joyous for the present time, but afterward, Yield us the peaceable fruits of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. What comes out of this midst of the fire and out of the midst thereof of this fire came the likeness of four living creatures. There's your lion, man, calf, and eagle in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, the body of Christ that will preach this everlasting gospel to all the world for witness unto all nations. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. What man? Jesus. That's what. 
They have uh, that same face as Jesus, the same glory. It's not our glory, it's his glory. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be gotten out of ourselves. The Lord is that spirit. That's the first revelation we know that Jesus is, Revelation 1, 8, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty, the Almighty God. There's not a trinity, not a twoness, not a oneness. It's Jesus only. That's what's being uh, literally taking the earth, coming out of false doctrine right now, coming into the true Jesus. In the revealing of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ given to now those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Lord is that Spirit. Jesus is the Lord. There's the only one. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We all with open face, this is right now for us, not seeing through a glass darkly, not having just partial knowledge. We're coming into all truth, all perfection to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. We all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, not something less, are changed into the same image, the very same image of Jesus. That's what we were called for. Not by us, but even as by the Spirit of the Lord, going from glory to glory, faith to faith from glory to glory. And that's what we are called for. Now, we will get into more depth, but those that have an ear to hear, you will know there's more, and the Holy Ghost is literally compelling you to go on deeper in the Word of God and liken him to a wise man that dig deep and founded that rock. But the depth of Christ, not just the height, but the depth, the length and the width, the height, depth, length, and width of Christ. We have to know him in all this work of the ministry, in all things of faith. Faith is the substance of things, hope are the evidence of things not seen. We have to enter into that. And right now, God is doing it, not in partial truth, in all truth. Growing up into him in all things, so that we're not tossed to and fro and will not be deceived. When God seals the servants of God in their foreheads with the mind of Christ, they will not be deceived. They will be the ones that will carry this gospel on to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ as a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. Tune into the podcast. We'll get into it deeper. The revelation of Jesus Christ is what we're going into. We will break it down for Revelation 1 to Revelation 22, but it's now. It's now. For those that have an ear to hear, God is doing it now. But let's do not let this faith, this truth of the Word of God that God is giving us now, to let it fail in us because of unbelief. Don't let the oil languish. Let us go on to the measure of the statue of Jesus. Let us do his will. And these cherubim now, shadowing the mercy seat, we can't speak particularly because we're in the last of the last days. Paul couldn't, we can. Why? Because it's revealed in the word. It's not something that we, you know, reach out there and lift, feel, and grab something. It's the word of God to those that have an ear to hear. But it's only through and by the Holy Ghost. That's the reason why. When John heard 
those seven thunders uttered their voices, and he was about to write. He said, write it not. No one's going to be able to write a little commentary on this because it's given by the Holy Ghost in Jesus alone. The Christ is going to reveal it to us, in us and through us. You have to take it through the book, the little book. You have to take it out of the angel's hand, just as John did in the spirit of Elijah. Revelation 10, it's the last day work. Take that book out of the angel's hand, John, the beloved disciple. Eat you all of it. It'll be sweet to your mouth as honey, bitter to your belly. The kingdom of God suffers violent. The violent take it by force. Nobody's going to give it to you. The devil will withstand you on every part to tell you why you don't need this, why you should not even concern yourself with it. Why, you, you're already there. You're a Christian. But those of you that have the true Holy Ghost know there's more, and it's there it's leading you and compelling you to go on deeper. Those are the ones that we're speaking to. Those are the ones that we'll hear for the time to come. In the volume of the book, it's written of Jesus, I come to do the will of God for a body that has prepared me. And now, Jesus in the days of his flesh was that body. Now we are the body of the Christ, and the body is of Christ. We're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And now we're seated in the heavenly places, the four and twenty elders and the four beasts at the right hand of God as overcomers. If we overcome, it's up to us. It is totally up to us in this last day work of the ministry. For whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, not something less, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those that he predestined, them he called. Those that he called, them he justified. Justification by faith. Can we stop there? No. And those that he justified, them he also glorified. Have we been glorified yet? No, but we will. Glorified to the image of Jesus Christ, not something less. Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot, without blemish. Tune in, we're going deeper. For this call, the last day work of the ministry, the Lord is sealing his people now to those that have an ear to hear. He's doing it by his word, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is true. You can call me if you want to like to work in and with our ministry. I would certainly be honored to work with you. Maybe you would like to give to the ministry. There, stay there, listen to the broadcast and the podcast as well as our videos at jcic.tv. And I know that you'll be blessed. Those that give, God will give unto you. And there, same measure you meet with all, be measured to you again. And we want to uh, pray over all of you that God perfect that which is lacking in all of us that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. You can call me, leave a message, I'll get back to you, plus one. There's the nation, the nation code, the national code, plus one. 903-746-4885. I look forward to your phone call, I'll get back to you. You can email me at ceilinggodspeople at dennisbeard.org. I'll get your email. Well, the Lord bless you. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.